0: Tonight, I would like to talk about the abundance of generosity. I feel that this talk needs a few words of preface. As a teacher who lives from donations and from the generosity of the retreat participants, it can be somewhat difficult or questionable to talk about generosity. And giving, especially on the last evening of a retreat. But I hope it doesn't look like soliciting. <laughs> and yet, the quality of heart, of generosity, and its practice, also its practice in, in daily life, especially, is enormously helpful and joyful and liberating that I will talk about it. Might like to begin with a quote by the Buddha. He said, If you knew as much about the power of giving as I do, you wouldn't eat a single meal without sharing it. There are many models that try to describe and convey the essential aspects of spiritual practice. We can speak of Speak about the threefold training of Sila, Samadhi, Panya, ethical conduct, meditation, and wisdom. Or about the seven qualities of the awakened mind, or seven qualities of enlightenment, and the five spiritual shaping faculties, as I did the other night. I'd like to talk about generosity in terms of yet another model of practice model of dana, sila, and bhavana of generosity, ethical conduct, and meditation generosity here is seen as the first supporting pillar of practice here in the west, especially I feel in the tradition of insight meditation, of Vipassana, perhaps also in Western Zen, we have begun with the reverse order. We began, and most often people begin, even today, with Bhavana, with meditation. Many of us, of the generation of my colleagues, actually began thirty or so years ago, with psychedelic drugs we experienced and recognized the powerful and vast possibilities of the mind. But since the extraordinary states never lasted very long, we began to turn to bhavana, meditation. Sila, ethical conduct, seemed somewhat unimportant maybe even a little bit ridiculous for some, or petty. And quite some people who newly come to practice today still feel that way. It's about Balana, about meditation. Yet those of us who sat many retreats and then turned to the world, to daily life, and went back into retreat, so forth, we began to realize how important a nonviolent, sensitive, and kind conduct, sila, really is. Without this basis, true in the transformation and liberation, wasn't and isn't possible. Without the basis of non-violence, honesty, trustworthiness, sensitivity in our relationship. Respect towards all forms of life. That's the basis. So, sila is the foundation, just as the roots of a tree without which there are no branches, no leaves, no blossoms, and no fruit. Ethics, or sila, became important to us. Then it slowly began to dawn on us. If we wanted teachers, we wanted dharma teaching, seminars and retreats here in the West. We ourselves needed to create the conditions for it to happen. Dana, generosity, giving, supporting, serving became an issue. To make retreats and courses possible, to create dharma city-centers, to run meditation centers. We need it. And we, of course, still need today. Organizers, managers, cooks, builders, maintenance people, housekeepers, accountants, computer people, artists, layouters, and so forth, and so forth. It takes also the support in the form of donations, of loans, of know-how, of time, of energy. That generosity is not just a matter of material giving. It's the giving of time, giving of attention and care, of knowledge, of skills, of helping, of healing, of teaching, of counseling, and all that. So slowly over the years, we began to recognize and also to lift the central importance of generosity. I feel like I have here. The great example of this generosity. From the early beginnings in East Farmhouse to the founding of the old Gaia House over in Denbury in 1984 or so, to this much bigger place here, four, five, perhaps six hundred retreats have been organized and made possible through the generosity of countless unpaid helpers, through the tremendous service of innumerable managers, cooks and gardeners and organizers and housekeepers and maintenance workers and artists and counselors and teachers and committee members, so forth. And through the enormous generosity of all those who came up with the money to buy these places, and, of course, to those who have come here to practice since. A really inspiring event, its whole history. The great Dharma and the great Dāna, or generosity, success story. Now, in Buddhist Asia, the dynamics of Dāna, Sila and Pavana function exactly the other way around from what we have seen here in the West. dana, generosity comes first and is practiced with amazing enthusiasm and unimpeded energy openness there. sila, ethical conduct, is seen as very important but perhaps a little less important or maybe a little less practiced. One lives ethically and takes the ethical precepts especially on on Sundays or what there is the full moon days. Maybe a little like going to church here uh, half a century a century ago. In daily life it often gets somewhat forgotten, forgotten again. Now Bhavana meditation practice is more rare in Asia. Among the monks and nuns in Thailand, perhaps two, three percent meditate. Among lay people, hardly anyone. It's probably similar in most Buddhist countries. Maybe a little higher in Burma, a little lower in Sri Lanka. But generosity is overwhelming there. And of course, not only generosity in spiritual domains. practice of generosity needs to pervade more and more our whole being needs to be part of our practice we give away instead of holding on we give up instead of accumulating we let go instead of being attached the deep sense of connectedness that arises through generosity will make ethical conduct into our natural way of acting. The openness and inner fluidity that arises through generosity will also support and deepen our meditation in substantial ways. In the text, the Mahayana Alamkara Sutra, it is said, generosity overcomes all hindrances it bestows or reveals non-conceptual primordial awareness. And it fulfills all wishes in a complete manner. And it brings beings to full maturation. And in the Bodhisattva Sutra Pitaka it is said, For the generous ones, enlightenment is not difficult to attain. That's a convincing argument, isn't it? What's important with respect really, to this statement is that we properly understand Dana. It's not simply about some present or some gift we bring to our host on a visit. It's not simply about uh, whatever 20 pounds we send to Amnesty International or Greenpeace or whatever. Much more, it is a radical inner attitude of heart and mind. Rumi, the Sufi mystic, describes it as the attitude of the dervish, of the Sufi adept. As The Sufi opens his hand to the universe and gives away each instant free. Unlike someone who begs on the street for money to survive, a devil to give you his life. The term that's used in the Pali language, dana, is synonymous or a synonym of alopa, of non loba. Loba means greed, desire, attachment. Stinginess is one of the root causes of all suffering, one of the three root causes. Now, alopa or non attachment or dana, generosity, is the exact opposite of great attachment. It's dissolution, it's healing, cure, it's the end of suffering. Could say the essence of all dharma practice, of all dharma teaching, is this: develop a mind and heart that clings to nothing whatsoever. Say the essence of all teaching is the dharma of non-grasping, and that's exactly what dana, generosity, is all about. It's the central quality of liberation. We could say the deepest wisdom, the deepest insight and wisdom sees, recognizes, and makes visible. But it's the end of grasping, of clinging, the letting go, the opening, that liberates. Generosity is an expression of love, of compassion, and of trust. And it's one of the three roots of goodness along with metta, loving-kindness, and with panya, with insight or wisdom. And non-grasping is the main characteristic of dana, of generosity. Comparable with the way that a drop of water flows off a lotus leaf, not sticking to the leaf flows off without even leaving a wet stain on the leaf very opposed to if you think of a drop of oil on the blotting paper which completely gets into the paper immovably stays in there when generosity begins to pervade our life a life quality feel begins to change noticeably We begin to feel more open feel more connected feel more joyful and see how generous people awaken in us feelings of openness of love and of joy and every way and every degree of giving makes us happy in class. In ancient texts uh, about giving, and when they speak of giving, it's often about um, food, it's often in reference to eating. And I think that sometimes we forget the central importance of that. But even today, it's maybe the fifth of humanity which is us, that eats maybe 80 or 90% of the food on earth. So this text says, Those who give alms and give food bestow, however you pronounce that, a fourfold blessing. They help to long life, to good appearance, to happiness, to strength. And therefore, long life, good appearance, happiness, and strength will be their share, whether amongst heavenly beings or amongst men. And elsewhere it says, five blessings accrue to the giver of alms. The affection of many, noble association, good reputation, self-confidence, and heavenly rebirth. The essence of giving is letting go. And that's why giving makes us feel lighter, makes us feel happier, makes us feel free. In a strange way, it's not when we own a lot, but when we're generous, that we feel rich. That's why Bob Dylan thinks. When I was deep in poverty, You taught me how to give. When we give, then our heart is open. In giving, there's a sense of abundance. As long as there's something we have to give, there's a feeling of richness, of wealth. Unlike when we're looking around for what we could get. Even when we have a lot, if we're in the mode of looking what one could get, immediately there's a sense of poverty, quite tangibly, because I don't have what I need, I don't have enough, I need something. While with generosity there's abundance, and we feel free and easy, and at the same time deeply connected, because we connect with others in the giving. Because in giving and generosity also, we cross the artificial confinement of self-concern. We break through the feeling of separation and in that, feel one with life. As Rumi says, returning from the treasury, I feel rich. Along with sympathetic joy, Quality of mudita, appreciation, joyful appreciation. I think generosity is the most joyful Dharma practice I can think of. What are the areas of generosity in life? We can give material things food, drink, shelter living spaces, clothes, medicine, when needed, all kinds of gifts and presents, whatever is needed of the things we have to give. Money is very important. We're often quite unclear in our relationship to money. Somehow it has such a high emotional charge for many of us all these questions you know should I give and if I give how much should I give am I stupid when I give am I taken advantage of or am I naïve or if it's known that I give does it look ostentatious or does it look uncultured or yet stingy complex often money in itself isn't good or bad if it's used with a wholesome motivation for useful things it's certainly good the other way around it can be useless it can be unhelpful it can be even very destructive some are overly cautious with money sometimes they are romantic with money I would like to offer a rose to the temple Something beautiful, exalted, not filthy, money. And I think we also do need roses, of course. And that's fine, except when the temple needs a new roof or a new heating system. Then again, roses alone won't do. Then we need roses and money. It takes awareness. There's clarity, sensitivity, and responsibility. Then we can use money in meaningful ways. One of the outstanding figures at the time of the Buddha was Anathapindika. He was a wealthy merchant. He used to support the Sangha of monks and nuns in many ways. Once he bought an entire grove, a park, the Jetva Grove, from the local prince in order to offer it to the monks and nuns as an abode as a place where they could stay and often in the sutras in it. text on the talks given by the Buddha it says Thus that I have heard and then it says where this discourse took place and often it's in this jetla Grove, that Anathapindika fought <coughs> when the prince was hesitant about selling the place. Anasa indica covered the surface of the entire park with silver or gold coins as to persuade the prince and that in turn the prince was so impressed and moved that um, he gave it for half of the price. Only half of the park <laughs> to be covered by gold coins. In a meditation center I was practicing in Asia. They had a waiting list of one whole year for families and <coughs> clans and groups of people, and mm. villages who wanted to come there and help bring food to cook and to feed all the monks and nuns and lay people who were on retreat there. A list of a whole year. They were waiting. They wanted. They were so eager. So many people. It's very moving. I mean to see that. It's so uh, deep in that culture that there's no way anyone anyone would ask you money to come to a retreat center to practice. There's so much generosity from the people because there's so much respect for that that it works that way. Maybe one day we can do this on donation basis why not be wonderful and of course we can find that kind of generosity in our culture too not only in the little insight meditation pockets or Buddhist pockets and yet it seems to be less and less compatible with the contemporary shareholder value approach to life a different way of thinking. We don't only give material things, but also our care and attention. We give our time, we give our energy. We do that at home, we do it at work, we do it in our free time. Nimkaroli Baba, Ramdas Guru, said said it in a simple way. said, Love all the people and feed them that is with food with care and attention with respect with appreciation and with love and with everything they need of the things that we have we can serve and help in so many areas maybe it's most helpful in the areas that we're familiar with that that we're at home with that we're Things that we're good at, and it can be politically, peace work, or ecology, or human rights, it could be socially, whatever project, neighborhood projects, uh, soup kitchens, of course, within the family, it could be third world projects, most needed. In the area of Dharma practice, as many of you do, sort of supporting monasteries, centers by. Organizing, managing. We can give by helping, supporting, sharing, healing, touching, sorry, teaching, training, creating. Jack Conference writes this about Burma. It says, in nineteen sixty, the great Redagan Pagoda in Yangon and Rangoon, was badly damaged by a heavy storm. Burma is a country with unimaginable poverty. But the entire population rose in order to repair and to beautify this holiest of holy places. Even the poorest helped. And often also they took off their earrings their jewellery, their wedding rings. They brought the small piece of gold they had saved for their old age so that the temple of awakening could be reconstructed again and shine forth in all its splendor. What also fascinated me in Burma was the enthusiasm of the young people. Many of them came on retreat in their school vacations or school holidays. Quite often they helped with the most needed work in those centers and pagodas. They also came to sit a lot. At the time I observed about 20 students, almost school kids, sweeping the vast platform around the Shwedakon Pagoda, which is a huge, huge pagoda in the middle of the city of Rangoon. Young people with brooms, advancing in long rows, very mindful, very respectful, also very joyful. It was nice to see how somehow that went together. You know, having fun, enjoying themselves, being mindful, and doing something that was supportive um, for the temple. A text that generosity is default the gift of material things, the gift of fearlessness, protecting beings from any possible harm, as far as that's possible to us. It's the gift of the noble teachings, the Dharma. Another important form of giving is the sharing and the dedication of all the wholesome qualities and energies we have cultivated through our practice as we do it every evening every night saying by the power of this practice may all living beings realize liberation and enlightenment so even within within our practice to not just sort of make it a self-centered kind of business but to remember to open it up and and see it as something that we do for the benefit of many. A very effective form of giving, of course, is to devote oneself totally to the practice, especially in retreat. It's also generosity to completely give oneself into the moment at once, mindfulness once. Wakefulness. We give ourselves to the moment. We give ourselves to life. And with practice, to the degree we become kinder, wiser, and freer, very often it's a gift to all those around us, and of course, ourselves. This also means that we need to learn to respect our own practice and ourselves meet ourselves and meet our practice with appreciation something that seems so obvious and often we find it so difficult you know we don't think that our practice is really such a great thing appreciation itself depends on generosity because the generosity we cultivate, also towards ourselves, towards our practice, towards the, the wonderful things we are doing. So joyful appreciation for our own and for others, good inequalities, that is a form of generosity. Also the joyful appreciation for our own and others, wholesome good actions, the form of generosity. And also quite noticeably impregnated by generosity is the joyful appreciation of the well-being and the success of others of human beings of all living beings on the other hand as impure gifts are listed poisons weapons traps and other hunting utensils, sometimes also alcohol, tobacco, or drugs. It looks like we need to learn also to maybe count under impure gifts products of companies or banks, which are known to deal in nuclear waste or any other environmental destructive materials, who use child labor, maybe in third world countries, who support repressive governments, promote and insist on the use of non-renewable energies. Maybe again, you know, maybe in old times it was more simple, you know, poison and weapons. Maybe now it's more complex. The idea is that we do not offer and give things That are the direct cause of suffering I would say the indirect cause of suffering too and that are harmful for people what is it that motivates us to give motivates us to be generous and open hearted but what are what are the inner attitudes out of which we give Khalil Gibran's prophet says about giving There are those who give little of the much which they have and they give it for recognition and their hidden desire makes their gifts unwholesome And there are those who have little and give it all These are the believers in life and in the bounty of life and their coffer is never empty. There are those who give it joy, and that joy is their reward. There are those who give it pain, and that pain is their baptism. And there are those who give and know not pain in giving, nor do they seek joy, nor do they give with the Intention of being virtuous. They give, as in yonder valley, the myrtle breathes its fragrance into space. Through the hands of such as these, God speaks, and from behind their eyes, God smiles upon the earth. When we practice generosity quite consistently for a while, becomes more and more noticeable that it feels good. Many of you know, feel more open, more at ease, more connected, and more joyful. This experience motivates us to become ever more generous. Sometimes, though we may try to be generous, because we're told to do so or because we know that it would be good if we were generous or because worthwhile, pleasant results are being promised. Certainly in the Buddhist religion, you know, one may be generous because it brings enormous advantages for the next life to come. It's not uncommon in Buddhist countries. In the Christian religion, perhaps one could be generous because one will go to paradise the hereafter. It's fine to get motivated to be generous by the fact that it's worthwhile, that it makes sense, yet it's also possible that this kind of expectation becomes a desire for profit, generous because I get something from it. And then the original positive attitude becomes poisoned, And the motivation isn't really generosity anymore. A man used to give money and gifts to a yogi. As he did this, he became more and more wealthy. And the richer he got, the more donations and presents he gave. But one day he thought, it is said that the holier the person to whom one makes offering, the greater will be one's merit. Therefore, I will give my gifts to the guru of the yogi from now on. But as he did so, he became poorer and poorer. Finally, in despair, he went to the yogi to ask for advice. The yogi explained, look, As long as you gave and didn't care to whom you gave, me or someone else, God gave to you and didn't care to whom he was giving. But when you began to choose particularly worthy and famous people, God began to do exactly the same. (laughs) Supposedly, I've never seen that, but I heard supposedly the Buddhist temples where one can buy paper cars, paper refrigerators, paper thousand dollar bills right outside the gate in order to then go in and offer those things to the deities, offer it to the Buddha on the altar with the expectation that as a future karmic result one would get cars, refrigerators, and lots of money. I think comments are unnecessary. That's also Buddhist religion. The effects and results are entirely different when we're generous out of the experience of feeling deeply connected with others and with life. In Sri Lanka and Kandu Boda, there where I was uh, doing a retreat for a couple of months, a fellow meditator who was practicing with me for for a long time, but for about two weeks, and then he disappeared. I sort of forgot about him, and then another two weeks later, he showed up again with his whole family, and they came to cook and they brought food and they took care of the whole place for that day, and that's where I sort of saw how how beautiful this was, this exchange, you know. For so much time, the time he was being there, he was taken care of by people who came in. And then as he was done with his retreat, he would come with his family and then again, take care of those who were practicing in there. And I think to quite some extent this is happening already here. And it's really wonderful. And it's a generosity that comes of a sense of mutual connectedness. This could perhaps be compared to parents and their children. In most cases, I assume, a mother won't ask herself in the morning, I wonder whether I should make breakfast today for my little ones. Parents in general don't ask themselves, you know, should I try to do something just to be able to provide food and clothes? education for the kids. The mothers, the parents, love their children and care for them. But that's their motivation. Not, should I do it? If so, how much does it have to be? Would less be enough to? So, one could say giving, generosity, open-heartedness, is the visible apparent and natural manifestation of love, compassion, and connectedness. Giving is seen as impure in the case of giving in order to harm someone, giving to get praise or a good reputation, giving out of rivalry with others, And also, when we give with irritation, with pride, or with disrespectful attitudes, looking down on the receiver. It's an an essential part of spiritual practice to look at the motivation, look at the intention behind our actions. It's really exactly there where, where the meaning of karma lies, in this intention, in our thoughts, in our speech, in our actions, or behind our actions. The effects of an action depend on the intention or motivation out of which we act, meaning the effects on ourselves depend on the motivation out of which the act comes. And therefore, giving in itself doesn't automatically cause good results for us. But when the intention is one of generosity, then its effect is powerfully positive. And it's the effect that is eventually ours. It's a very interesting statement by the Buddha which shows how much our usual view of things, in terms of generosity. And its benefits are somehow upside-down, really the reverse of actual, actual reality. You ready? What we give away is ours. What we keep at home is not ours. What we give away has value. What we keep at home has no value. What we give away, we don't need to protect. That's more obvious. What we keep at home, we need to protect. What we give away causes no worry. What we keep at home causes worry. What we give away gives inexhaustible wealth. What we keep at home will be exhausted. What we keep at home leads to negativity. What we give away leads directly to enlightenment. The exact same statement, but much shorter, by the pop band Young Radical, on one of their CDs, which is called You Get What You Give. Interesting title, You get what you give. Dāna, generosity, is also one of the paramitas, one of the perfections of a human being on their way to the full enlightenment of the Buddha. Yes, together with patience or determination. The completion of dāna paramita, the... Paramita of generosity is realized when all the apparent separation between giver, the gift, and the receiver completely falls away. When all the deluded perception of self-existence in the giver, in the gift, and the recipient is completely seen through. And the completion of dana paramita in this way coincides with the completion of Vrajna, Panya Paramita, the completion of insight or wisdom. Gibran's prophet described an attitude that seems to to lie in that direction and I repeat parts of the verse I just read. There are those who give and know not pain in giving, nor do they seek joy, nor give with mindfulness of virtue. They give as in the under valley, the myrtle breathes its fragrance into space. jung Tzu describes a time, or, or a world maybe, in which connectedness and that kind of openness are natural. As then, no one pays any special attention to worthy people. Nor do they single out those of ability rulers are simply the highest branches on the tree, and people are like deer in the woods they are honest and righteous without realizing that they are doing their duty they love each other and do not know this is love of neighbor they deceive no one yet do not know they are trustworthy they live freely together in giving and taking and do not think that they're generous. I'd like to close with the definition of generosity from a text that's called Bodhisattva Bhumi. It's quite a radical one. It says, What is the essence of generosity? A spontaneously arising, non-grasping attitude of heart and mind with its resulting generous actions in which one gives away absolutely everything. Let's just to be quiet for Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.